Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Emma Gunn Show. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, you're not just getting one guest, you are getting two. First up, we have Leona Lewis. And then in the second half of the show, uh, you will hear my chat with Georgia Arnold. Now let me tell you a little bit about how this conversation came to be. It was all a bit of a whirlwind and less than 12 hours after being asked if I was available, if I was able to take the podcast to them, I was on a train into London making this all happen and so really didn't know what to expect and Leona and Georgia were both incredible, incredible guests and I was invited along by Keels who um, partner with the MTV Staying Alive Foundation for which Leona Lewis is an ambassador and what the MTV Staying Alive Foundation does, it's a global charity that's dedicated to stopping the spread of HIV AIDS and it's headquartered in the UK and is represented this year by Leona. So I went along to MTV, I felt a bit old, gotta be honest, <laughs> but um, ended up sitting in a studio with Leona talking about happiness, talking about happiness, talking about how she finds her happiness, and talking about why she is such a passionate humanitarian. We talked about her um, animal sanctuary, which is called Hopefield Animal Sanctuary, Brentwood and Essex. All of the links to that are gonna be in the show notes. Just how she sets goals for life, how she stays positive, how she's been inspired by the women's movement, about women supporting women, collaboration. There's so much, I mean, as you can imagine, time with a global superstar like Leona uh, is pretty, um, rare and she was very generous with her time and gave me, I had a wonderful chat with her and thought she was brilliant. Then we talked to, or then I talked to, Georgia Arnold who is the executive director of the Staying Alive Foundation and oh, I loved hearing all of her stories. This is somebody who's been with MTV for over 20 years who was there back in the good old days or, or basically when I was an avid viewer. And it turns out she is a big part of the reason, and MTV a huge part of the reason why my generation are so well informed about things like safe sex, because we used to turn on TV, MTV, and there would be adverts about condoms, there would be adverts about uh, why you should be safe, and it really did, in a very non-scary way, make you, it was just prevalent on the channel of, this is something that you have to be safe about, this is something you have to be educated about. And I honestly, and I admit this in the show, I had kind of thought that it was a problem that had gone away, that AIDS was something that we were on top of, we being the medical world, being that it was something that could be managed. And it's horrifying to speak to Georgia to understand that not only is it still a huge problem, but it's the number two killer globally of young people, which is just huge. I did not realize that was still the case. So I will let her talk about all of the incredible work they do and all of the efforts that they are putting into place to change that and to make sure that it isn't a killer. As you'd expect from the show, we also chat about how she stays motivated, how she remains inspired, 
and what are the things that she does outside of work to um, help with such a busy, busy role. Uh, incidentally, one of the first questions I talked to Leona about uh, was about happiness because before I was able to get my one-on-one -on -one time with them, they did a panel discussion that was broadcast on MTV Facebook Live. The link to MTV's Facebook page will be in the show notes. And happiness came up more than once. And I asked her about the song Happy, and I will let you get into the show to hear about what she has to say about that. But I hadn't listened to it a, for ages, but I knew that in it, she says, I just want to be happy. So that's my hook. I, not five minutes ago, just listened to it again and have just bawled my eyes out. So maybe that says something about me more than anything else. But if uh, if you're feeling a little bit, um, what's the word, despondent, uh, or maybe feeling like you're hitting your, bigger, your head against a brick wall, I would actually recommend that as a song to listen to. It's just gone into my Spotify playlist for when I need to kick up the rear end. So uh, that's just a little more input from me take it or leave it enjoy the song or don't. don't forget stay around until after the theme music at the end of the show where you can find out how to stay in touch how to tweet me how to follow me on instagram and everything else that you might want to know about the show but without any further ado here they are leona lewis and georgia arnold leona lewis is actually joining me and i kid you not in the <laughs> studio because you're at what do you call this is it a soundboard? Sound desk, yeah. Sound desk, which yeah, looks... I'm like, am I recording a song? <laughs> <It's happening right laughs> now. You're very welcome to if you want. But we're, we're talking to you today because you've very generously given us your time because you're here with the MTV Staying Alive Foundation, yeah. of which you are the new ambassador, yes. and you, which is in association with Kiehl's, mm -hmm. which is fabulous. I'm linking to the Facebook Live so people can see that chat, but... Um, Picking up from that, you talked about the song Happy, and I was so thrilled when you mentioned that song, because it's a song that I sing along to and find myself feeling really positive and motivated oh, and inspired. Yeah. And you talked about seeing somebody, I think it was on The Voice, singing yeah. it and yeah. how it made you feel. And the, the lyric, I just want to be happy, mm -hmm. Is actually really bold. It's yeah. quite a bold statement. Can you tell me a little bit about how you came to write that song and why yeah. saying that was so vital to you? Um, so I wrote that song with Ryan Tedder um, and we we wrote the song because I think that's what basically all humans want is to just be happy and mm. to be fulfilled um, and we wrote it that the lyrics are so what if it hurts me so what if I break down so what if the world just throws me off the edge so it's about all the hardships and the the times we face that maybe you know are, are negative um, but what we kind of gain through that and the experiences we gain and, and what we all kind of what we basically all want mm -hmm. so um, it was I remember writing the song it was it was a few years ago now. Mm -hmm. um, but I seeing the girls singing it and it just brought me back to when I first wrote the song mm -hmm. um, because sometimes uh, you, the the meaning of the songs change over the years mm -hmm. and, the, and it has changed for me but seeing her sing it took me back to the heart of when I first wrote the song, which is why I brought it up in the, um, in the talk just now. Because actually to say, I want to be happy, is a really powerful declaration. Mm. And I think we're all on <laughs> life's journey, as it were. Mm. And what makes you happy, as you said, there's an evolution. Yeah. Ten years ago isn't what necessarily makes you happy now. But have you, in your own life, been at a place where you've actually had to say, well, what does what does make me happy? Yeah, um, definitely. I was thinking about this the other day, actually. It's so weird that you bring it up. But I was thinking about what what is it that I really kind of want or what really fulfills me and um, what more do I want to achieve? What more do I want to do? Mm -hmm. um, because I remember, say, 10 years ago, I'd be like, okay, well... I really want a successful career. I want um, to have records out. I want to do. The okay, so I've I've had that. I've done that. I'm still obviously on the on the journey. But um, if from people on the outside looking in, I've had a relative success. And but I don't just stop there because mm. so so you've got to the destination where I wanted to get to. So what now? What is going to fulfil me now? What more mm. do I want? And obviously to keep. Um, performing and to, to tour and to and to keep 
um, doing my music is, is of course still one side of that but other things like spending time with my family more now makes me really happy um, I have a lot of animals as well like mm. spending time with them making sure they're good I have an animal sanctuary um, making sure that that's all kind of flowing and, and, and getting what it needs to survive and keep uh, and be sustainable so d- different kind of I don't know it's there's never a destination I feel like it's just an ongoing continuous journey and evolution I think that's I you've almost <laughs> said something that I said this morning to a friend we were talking about happiness which is again so bizarre that it's ended up coming up in this interview mm-hmm. and the exact same thing came up of happiness isn't a destination we all strive for mm. a place yeah but it's actually a continuous pursuit yeah for and sure. always sort of knowing and checking in with yourself mm-hmm. and one of the things you said actually on the facebook live that i really wanted to ask you about i thought it was brilliant where you said that you try to do something every day that pushes you outside of your comfort zone yeah yeah how did you how did you decide that that was a way that would actually help you on that path um, well, every every time I've done something that's pushed me outside of my comfort zone, um, especially when it pushes me outside, like to the extreme, mm-hmm. um, has led me to a place where I've learned so much about myself, um, and it's just challenged me in ways that I would, in ways that I've grown and that I wouldn't have grown if I if I never pushed myself. So. Um, to do one thing that scares you like today even sitting in that room in front of a room full of people I'm a musician and a singer like I don't often go out and give speeches or talks about things but this is an issue that I'm really passionate about and I knew that this sitting in that room full of people would get the word out there spread awareness so I'm pushing myself to do it Mm. Um, and from it I'm going to grow and hopefully do more and gain more awareness raise more awareness so um i think it just has a knock-on effect mm. um and so yeah to do something that pushes yourself that scares you every day is very important for you personally what does it feel like when you know that you're in that zone outside of your comfort zone um it feels like i'm alive because it's not kind of just you know you can kind of get in your routine and go along in Thing and then I and do this and I shove things out this and mm-hmm. then I go home. And I go <laughs> like it feels like oh my god I'm alive because I think I'm more in the moment. I'm not talk- I'm not thinking about the past. I'm not thinking about the future. I'm just thinking about now. Mm. And I feel like when you're in the moment, that's the only time when you feel truly mm-hmm. alive. They, uh, that's a big thing particularly meditation and yoga is the whole concept of being present do you meditate do you do yoga I do I do meditate um I do yoga um I do a lot of awareness work um like I said like being in the moment is so it's just vital to Mm. us and um I practice that a lot um and I'm like I always forget about it like but (laughs) I try and like remind myself to stay in the moment um and I guess that's why I love performing and Mm. that's why I love pushing myself outside of the comfort zone because Mm. that's you can't think about anything else Mm. do you think that being outside of your comfort zone perhaps is something that you do because you were put in a situation that was very bizarre and unique especially mm-hmm. at the time yeah that must have been constantly week on week you're in a live television yeah competition and it, they're like juggernauts they just go yeah and you're along for the ride in yeah. many ways yeah did did that feeling become familiar to you in a way yeah and that was a huge push like that was something that I'd never done before I was every single week I think 13 million people or something like that tuned into the show yeah I mean, you can't really get any more outside your comfort zone. <laughs> um, so that w- became a familiar feeling to mm. me. Um, and from that has, you know, it opened up so many doors for me. Yeah. Well, obviously, you've yeah. had an incredible career. And I wanted to talk about in the Facebook Live, which again we're going to link to in the show notes, you were all, everyone on the panel was asked about the um, inspirational people in their lives. Mm. And you mentioned your mum. And I've often wondered what it must be like for someone who, at a young age, goes through an experience that their parents perhaps haven't been through, because you have to navigate that landscape, and it must be 
it's a steep learning curve. Mm-hmm. How did you handle it? Um, so my parents are, I'm so lucky. Um, they are like my biggest advocates. And my mum, like I said, she's very inspiring to me. Um, she's actually just finishing up um, a de- another degree that she's just went back to school for like four years ago, I think. Um, but she's always constantly pushing herself, constantly learning, um, and doesn't put any limits on herself. You know, she's, I don't know, how old am I? 30? So she's around 50, um, and, you know, still, like, educating herself. Mm. And um, so that's very inspiring to me. Um, but with regards to, to being in the show... Um, they were very grounding for me mm. um, and I think that is what was important because it was like a whirlwind mm. like you could literally get caught up in in the crazy tornado um, but they were always like holding me down mm. and making sure that I was grounded and, and remembering to enjoy the experience as mm. well I remember my mum kept saying too yeah because even regardless of the show then just fame generally yeah then just sort of your anonymity not being there anymore yeah yeah and I remember I wanted to ask you about self-confidence mm. because it is a becoming famous losing your anonymity all of these things is quite a challenging different thing mm. and I remember something that still makes me really smile is I think after the first week of the live show the gentleman that you'd been working for without saying anything just put an ad for your job because she's not <laughs> yeah. coming back <laughs> yeah and that kind of confidence that someone else had in you yeah is really powerful yeah it's funny because I remember when I did the audition like I didn't tell anyone mm-hmm. and then it aired and I came into work and I was a little bit late <laughs> and he was like oh it must have been from all the autographs you were signing on your way to work <laughs> and I was like oh you saw it he's like everyone saw it <laughs> um but he was it was so cool like working with him he was like a guitarist himself actually like, oh, really? a frustrated musician and we used to like sit in the <laughs> office and just do music when we were supposed to be working but um it yeah it was uh, he was a big supporter mm. um but um yeah sorry I forgot what the no. question was but talking well, about Michael <laughs> yeah really about self-confidence is that they had confidence yeah. in you they could see but it's sometimes difficult in your own skin to yeah. see your own skill and your talent um how did you get on the same page um yeah, I, I guess I don't really view it in that way. I I view my um my I guess my, my singing and, and my music as just something that I love to do, something that I'm very inspired by, something that fuels me, um, something I'm passionate about mm. and the fact that people enjoy it is amazing. Mm. <laughs> so that's kinda how I view it and, and during the show I didn't there wasn't one moment where I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to win. Like, not at all. <laughs> like, there was just never that. There was only just wanting to do the best that I could and see how far, just mm-hmm. see how far I can go. Mm-hmm. Just do, push myself and see how far I can go. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the Staying Alive Foundation is not the only cause that you are very passionate about. What are the other uh, charities and campaigns that you work with? Um, so I have a sanctuary called Hopefield Animal Sanctuary in Brentwood in Essex. We will put the links to this in the yeah, show notes. Yeah, that would be amazing. Thank you. Um, and we have almost 300 animals, um, and all of them are rescued from um, abuse situations or they have been abandoned. So we take them in and we let them live out their the rest of their lives at Hopefield so we don't adopt any animals out Um and because they've been through too much trauma they just Mm. need to stay in one place Um, and we're based on donations so I do a lot of fundraising for them a lot of awareness building um, for them Uh, but the long term goal with um, my animal rights campaigning is to change laws Mm. Um, so I've been involved in like the EU ban on animal testing um, the circus ban the animal circus ban circus animal ban in the UK um, and uh, I just think it's about changing the laws, really, mm. so we can um, protect um, animals. And, uh, yeah, so that's one thing that I'm very passionate about mm. and is a big part of my life. And you've been doing that for years. This isn't yeah. a, a recent thing. Are you beginning to see change? Yeah, um, well, the EU animal 
um, testing ban is a huge change. Um, I did a campaign with the uh, Body Shop, and the Body Shop been campaigning for 25 years to get that mm. through. So it was there. There are changes for sure, but I feel like there still needs to be more change. And um, personally, I feel feel like if people are gonna own animals, they should have a pet license. Mm -hmm. um, so that if you are, because I, you know, we deal with animals being abandoned all the time at Hopefield. Um, so whereas, I, and I understand that sometimes there are situations where it's impossible to keep the animal and that's mm -hmm. fine and if you reach out for help that's fine, that's why we're here. But places like Hopefield need support from mm -hmm. people and we also need a bit of accountability for the animals that have been um, abused. Mm -hmm. So people need to be held accountable for that and I feel like with pet licences that could be something that um, could could help that situation it must feel brilliant to be so passionate about a cause and to actually see that you are affecting change yeah it's it's been again so fulfilling um and like again like there's a, a destination you get to it okay the ban on uh animal testing in the eu is amazing now i want to ban animal testing around the world mm. like that's the next goalpost like it it definitely I acknowledge the changes that have been made and, and the little successes mm -hmm. and, and take that into kind of fueling me for the next thing that we want to kind of get accomplished. In other areas of your life are you um, big at goal setting? Do you sort of sit down and think this is what I want to achieve here? Yeah. Do you think that's valuable? Yeah I do and I, I've looked back at um, some of like I'll write down like things and, and um, I'll write down like one year goals and three year goals and five year goals and I'll look at them and like reflect back on like oh did like, what happened there and what what happened here and and sometimes like not I don't achieve any of them <laughs> <laughs> you know it just doesn't happen but the the little ones that I do I'm really proud of yeah there's lots of actual data and research to suggest that if you write down your goals you're, more, you're much more likely to achieve them yeah I, I agree I do I do really you agree. keep diaries or your song is yeah your song I've got like diary? well my songwriting is definitely my diary that's like my heart and soul but I have um, like I journal a lot as well um, and I definitely write down different goals and things that I mm. want to achieve little plans have you do, you do you just do it in a notepad or do you ever use anything like the five minute journal oh I've heard about that yeah. I haven't used that but yeah I've just got like a little notepad ah. yeah do you keep do you, do you keep a library of them? Um, I've got like yeah three books full of stuff. <laughs> do you have a particular time of day that you might do that more than another? Um, I don't do it every single day. Um, probably more like once a week, maybe. Um, but usually with the goals, are like I'll do a big one at the beginning mm. of the year. Um, that's the most important one I feel like for yeah. me personally. We had an incredible panel out there today. You were joined by Laura Whitmore, by Georgia, who is also going to be on this podcast. Yeah. And Mal is it Mala? Mala. Mala. Yeah. Incredible, incredible women. And mm. we, we are a few days post um, International Women's Day. Yeah. And there was a lot of talk about supporting other women. Mm. A lot of women listen to this podcast. Yeah. Um, and probably have goals and aspirations what would you, what would you like to say to other women who are trying to reach their goals or trying to pursue their passions um i would say that um like i said in the in the chat the the heart of the women's movement is women supporting women um i've benefited from that because i've had really strong females in my life like my mom uh, my aunties my friends um so i feel like it's very important for us to be supportive of each other mm. um and i feel like you know achieving goals and I, in my line of work, music, it's all collaboration. Mm. Um, it's I, I co-create with everyone around me, from my amazing manager, who's a female I've been working with for ten years, because I'm all about supporting females, especially in the music side, mm. uh, the business side of music, because it's so imbalanced out there. It's so male-dominated, mm. and that has a trickle-down effect uh, to the artists that are, you know, representing mm. females. So I'm all about supporting that. Um, and I wouldn't be able to do what I do without her, without Laura, who's amazing. Laura's um, in the room, say hi, yeah. Laura. Hi. Say hi. <laughs> um, and strong women around me that are, are, and we're helping each other. So I feel like, um, like I said, it's collaborative mm. and we should all be really just lifting each other up. I wholeheartedly agree and I'm sure the listeners agree. 
we're going to have to wrap it up because your time is so limited today. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. It's really, and I love that, I I can't believe I've committed Leona Lewis to audio. (laughs) I'm so happy. It's going on my CV immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I'm now thrilled to say that I am joined by George Arnold, who is the executive director of the MTV Staying Alive Foundation. Who are here with today? We also who have collaborated with Keels, and we have Patricia in the room. So let's just let's just deal Hi. with that. Hi, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Hello, <laughs> Um Keels collaboration with MTV Staying Alive. This is the third year. Yes, that you've collaborated. I remember last year was Tiny Tempo. Two years no, ago. No, two years ago because I did a very cool animated thing that took me about an hour to do on Instagram <laughs> with, with a pot of moisturiser. This year it's the eye cream. Yes, it is. And what is going to the foundation with every sale? So every product sold, £10 of each product will go to the foundation um, and the product will be out in June. Fabulous. Well, the links to that product will be in the show notes and when that then becomes available, I will flag that up. But for now, we're talking to Georgia, who (laughs) said to me, hello, (laughs) who said to me not a few moments ago, can we talk about cardiopilates? So let's just go straight in there. (laughs) We have to. We will talk about the Staying Alive Foundation because (laughs) it's it's having its 20th anniversary this year. year. Next Next year. year, yes. So you've been working with them since day one. Is it your baby? It's my baby. Apart from my baby who's now 18, mm-hmm. my real life baby. But um, This no. is your eldest child. <laughs> yes. So I actually started working at MTV 23 years ago. As Cripes, I bet that was fun. It was. Well, possibly not for the podcast there was about 100 people in the office if you wanted if you had an idea for a program like there was an assistant here who wanted to do something on headbanging and that turned into headbangers (gasps) that was her she came up with the idea and and there you go mind blown Um, and that's sort of what you could do at the time Mm. so not like that now I mean it's great but it's not it's at the time it was like literally you could be walking down the street and you could get spotted to come and work at MTV because you had the right look and feel and it was it was run by people who were really passionate about what they were doing but didn't necessarily know how to run a company in the way Mm. that we do today so that's when I started and I came in for an interview when this building so this is the old TVAM building is it really yes um, and <laughs> I came such a in. Geek. Sorry. And, is it really? And in fact, we used to have. In fact, we probably still do. We we couldn't take down the TVAM sign down the side of the building, so we had to just put round circles on it. And the egg cups are still here. I was going to ask if the egg still cups here. here. Yeah, we can show you them later. Yes, I'm going to need that tool. Okay. <laughs> um, so we I came in and I had an interview on boxes outside David Frost's office. And it was about 6.30 in the evening and I phoned up my friend and said, this old guy wants to interview me um, in a building site. If I don't, And it, I was in a phone box because obviously it was that long ago. If I don't call you in a couple of hours, come and get me. And it was a totally above board, like the head of HR was there, but we were just on cardboard boxes. And I ended up as his PA. And so I had 5000 dollar charity budget which even back then was not a lot of money that was like my only responsibility other than being his PA and he used to say to me right well my friend from the record label has got a Nordoff Robbins dinner so let's buy a table for a thousand dollars and that's how we used to spend it there was no reason about Mm -hmm. how we spent our our money and so he said to me look MTV's growing we we have grown from one channel across Europe to being individual channels Mm -hmm. in every country so actually we should care about something so go and find something we should care about Mm. so I have no background or training in this which is very typical like today if someone wanted my job they'd probably need like a master's in development or so true isn't it and I Mm. definitely don't have any of that (laughs) and um so it was at mid-90s so HIV was rampant people were dying every day from it in ridiculous numbers and Mm. it was young people who was dying so it wasn't very hard to sort of link the dots together and go this is what we should care about Mm. and I remember going for a meeting with um, UNAIDS which had just set up and they said it would be brilliant 
if you could do a documentary about young people affected and infected by HIV. Mm. And I said, yeah, it's not very MTV though, is it? I mean, literally, that was my response. I was like, nah, let's not do that. Mm. It's boring. And um, I came back here and someone said to me, no, we, we could do that. We just we will get a talent to host it. And so we got George Michael, mm. uh, late and great George Michael, to host the very first documentary. Mm. And I was super excited. I was nine months pregnant and I got to meet him. And he, oh, so my idol. Um, and I was sure, you know, maybe he would meet me. And even though I was nine months pregnant and even though he was with his boyfriend and very much gay, <laughs> I possibly could still turn him. I didn't. I'll just point Hope that out. Hope is a wonderful, wonderful uh, isn't thing. Isn't it? Yeah. Yes. But anyway, he was doing a very brilliant thing for us by hosting the documentary. And what we decided was that we would create it rights cleared and cost free. So we would give it away to anyone. So you could phone up and ask for a copy of the documentary or a university or a youth group or another broadcaster. Mm. And so what we created was this brand on MTV that was just able to grow around the world because people wanted it because we had George Michael hosted a documentary, Missy Elliott, Puff Daddy, um, Beyonce hosted something for us. So we had these amazing music talent. Yeah. So we started distributing it. And then um, I wrote to Nelson Mandela's office. It was coming up to his 85th birthday, so 2003. And I said, our audience outside of Africa don't actually know Mandela's story, which is shocking. If you say that to anyone in the continent, they are shocked. Mm. And I said, but our audience don't really know who he is, so can I tell his story? And they agreed. And so we took four young people and each of their lives reflected a piece of his life. So we had Henry from Uganda, who lived in a fishing village on the lakes, uh, on the border of the DRC. His family, he was H he is HIV positive and his family had been wiped out because of AIDS. And he sat there with Mandela and said, when you started to fight apartheid, did you really believe that you'd ever see the end of it? Because here I am fighting AIDS and even though I'm very active, I'm beginning to lose hope that we can ever see the end of it. Mm. So they had a conversation around that. And then Minzin from Burma, who talked about living in exile in Thailand, and Guy from Israel, whose sister had been killed by a suicide bomber, sat with Jumana from Palestine, whose father had been killed by the Israeli army, which was very tense and difficult to organize. And the two of them sat there with Mandela and said, how did you ever shake the hands of your enemy? So it was this incredible, mm won awards, amazing documentary. And we spent a few days with Mandela, amazing. But we also filmed with each of the four in the home environment. And we were looking in the edit at Henry's story. And Henry, very horribly stereotypical, he lived in a corrugated shack. He wrote by candlelight when the light ran out. You know, he had nothing, mm. but he was amazing. And we realized with Henry, what does he actually need to do a little bit more? So he needs someone to trust him. He needs a little bit of money, not a lot, but he, everyone does. And he needs some more formal training. Mm. And it was because of Henry that we turned from being a brand on MTV into being a foundation. So we're now a charity. We're mm. the only charity in the world that gets to use the MTV brand. And we are there to help prevent HIV infection amongst mm. young people by both producing content, and we still do that. We have this amazing drama just launched in South Africa called MTV Sugar. Um, but by giving out grants. And today, Henry, who we never gave a grant to, by the way. So a couple of years ago, we gave him the Inspiration Award behind setting up the foundation, and we paid for his master's um, so that we, because we realized we'd never given him a grant, but we had just used his ethos to, to create the foundation. Um, he now is living in Canada. He's very healthy. He has just had a baby and he is, sits on the board of the foundation as well. And he is the most incredible. I always think that Mandela transferred something to him when they met. He, we had a board meeting at the end of the year and three times he made people cry because of the, the good words that he said, because right. he was being nasty. But <laughs> he just, he opens his mouth and he's one of those people where you can genuinely see their aura. Like uh. he really touches you when he speaks. So he's amazing. So that's how it got set up. And I was saying to Patricia before. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com And MTV is the reason I know about safe sex. Hmm. And I love it when people say that. Because I remember the ads in the... I mean, I was glued to MTV constantly, and I remember all of the safe sex ads. I remember that uh, a lot of artists were very outspoken yeah. about AIDS and about safe sex and about condoms and kind of took the taboo away from using words like condom and on television. And those were probably all staying alive ads without you mm, realising. Yeah. Um, and that's why we work with people like Leona who, because it's, we always have to work with artists because you sort of expect that because it's an MTV yeah. branded charity. And they then get to sort of reach out to an even bigger audience than we can do just with MTV. Yeah. So you have your interview on the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you get into this role and it starts building and building and building. When did, when did you, at some point obviously a passion kicked in like it really became very important to you and listening to the panel the the link to the Facebook live is going to be in the show notes so you can watch that full discussion but there seems to be something very transformative about getting involved with this foundation you see it firsthand and you're in well I mean I'd like to think it's just the foundation I think it's the issue so mm. I have no background in HIV or development whatsoever. Mm. I did a really bad media degree at a polytechnic. <laughs> you know, I had a not like, I didn't have a training in this at all. Mm. I knew nothing about HIV. And um, when once you get, I do think once you get sucked into the issue, it will never let you go mm. in a good way. You know, a, the way that it has devastated people's lives and also turned amazing people into incredible activists mm. as well and it has it for some reason it the, the virus sort of does spark off a real passion mm. around it and so for me I can never walk away from it mm. it was interesting what you were saying in the on on the Facebook live about um I, I'm, I'm going to check my notes because I wrote it down because I couldn't quite believe it is it is it the number two killer globally of young people yep and the number one around the world. So I found that really shocking and it was said in the Facebook Live and so I feel like I can admit my ignorance without feeling too ashamed. I did feel like it was a problem that had gone, gone away. away. Yeah, and I'm not surprised you say that. And the here in the West, so in the UK, if you find out that you're HIV positive, it's absolutely not a life sentence. Mm -hmm. um, you go to the NHS, they can provide you with treatment, when you're on treatment, it suppresses your viral load, which means it becomes much harder to infect someone else. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's always good to know your status so you can get onto treatment if you need to. Um, and what happens is you go on treatment, which isn't very nice by the way. It's like people say, well, you can live this very healthy, normal life. It's horrible, the drugs that you have to take. It gives you like, it makes you sick, diarrhea, you can get these disgusting fat deposits. Like this is not like, an easy way to live your life. It's not a pill and you're fine. No. Right, okay. But nevertheless, it absolutely keeps you alive and well. You can go into work, go into school, mm. no problem. But after, let's say, a decade, your body probably will begin to reject those drugs or just not work as well and your viral load goes up mm -hmm. and suddenly you're becoming ill more easier. Okay. And so what the doctors here will do is go, well, okay, that cocktail of treatment doesn't work anymore. We're going to put you on the next generation. So here in the UK, you're probably on the seventh or eighth generation drugs. Mm -hmm. So if you are born with HIV or if you contracted at a young age, you're pretty much fine for as long as you live and they continue to develop even better drugs. What's going on though in the rest of the world is that there's only in sub-Saharan Africa, second generation drugs. 
So if you were born with HIV, by the time you are 17, you may have got through both versions of drugs that you can access. And so what's your next option? There isn't one. Mm. And that's why amongst um, adolescents, the death rate in the last 10 years has gone up by 50%. So every other demographic, the death rate has gone down, right. but amongst adolescents, the, the death rate is increasing. And no, it's like a real silent part of HIV. The activists aren't getting involved. And, you know, the great thing is there are organisations like the Global Fund and PEPFAR and, and all of the governments, they do fund treatment in countries where in, developing, in the developing world, but they're only funding up second-generation drugs because beyond that, it's so expensive. Mm. So here we're sitting pretty, but when you come from Cameroon, like Mala, who's here today and was in the Facebook class. Incredible. I thought she was an incredible woman. woman. She is an incredible woman. So eloquent. Yes, I love her. Mm. But, you know, when you come from Cameroon, you have not got the options available to you that you do if you sit mm. in London. And, and that's why I always think we have to be really careful when we complain about um, inequality mm. or, you know, discrimination amongst women, which is true and absolutely, and we all experience it at some point in our lives. Mm but it's so different when you're in different countries and, and there it's much it's much more life-threatening than anything that we would experience. Right. Wow. It's such a... I always... For people who work in this way, who campaign for a particular issue, you sit across from me very steady, very pragmatic, and um, not clinical, that's not the right word, but you're able to compartmentalise. Mm. How do you it's a real emotional issue but you have to obviously at some point you have to sort of set your emotion emotions aside in order to be able to really affect change how do you do that okay well first of all i should say even when my son was born i didn't even cry so i'm like <laughs> the most unemotional person you can possibly meet which is there's some that's weird but um i would say because actually most of the time we're dealing with the positive so when the work that we do, we're meeting people like Mala who are mm -hmm. doing amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. So that for me is not something to be sad about. That's really positive. Mm -hmm. But you know what's been interesting? So this new drama that's we've just launched in South Africa, MTV Sugar, mm -hmm. some of the scenes in that are really hard to watch. So we have a lot of rape scenes, we've got an illegal abortion scene, we've got a young boy who comes out as being gay and how his family and friends deal with that. And I, I watch the, the rushes, so I watch all of the, the filming that happens mm. before it's edited, and some of it is so hard to watch that I've had to message the actors and check in on them that they're okay because they're putting so mm. much into it. So it's funny that I can be affected by something that I know is fictional mm. and not necessarily by the stories or the individuals that I meet on the ground mm. but what we tend to see we tend to see people very active and doing positive t turning everything around to be positive you know you look at Henry I mean Henry's has his literally his family have been wiped out because of AIDS and even recently even like in the last couple of years his sister had died so it wasn't even back in you know 18 years ago whenever it was um, but he only is a positive person who wants to make good change. Mm. That's not very eloquent, but... <laughs> with, with people like me who say, oh, I kind of thought we'd gone away, or I thought you could live with it now, and not understanding this huge issue that's happening globally, how do you, um, how do you keep pushing forward? Have you ever felt at times a bit defeated? Mm, yes. When my mum says to me, oh, I read in the newspaper, aka the Daily Mail, <laughs> that there's a cure for AIDS, that's great. And that really frustrates me. Mm. It's just the whole media, or, you know, when um, gay men are castigated for wanting access to a drug that can prevent them from getting HIV, mm. that, you know, the, the stigma involved with sex, it just astounds me, you know, sex is none of us unless any of us here I don't want to make assumptions were born out of a test tube mm -hmm. we all came here because of sex mm -hmm. and it drives me crazy that we can't talk openly about it mm -hmm. when Covey my son was 18 no not 18 he's 18 now when he was eight so I was we had the um, 
uh, the MTV award show was taking place in Liverpool. And I was there. You were there. I was there. It was when the the day that Obama got got uh, won the won the election. Yes. Very good. Kanye West came on and sang American Boy, and at the end there was a big thing yes. of uh, Obama and then Red, White, and Blue. There you go. That was a that was one of my big moments. Right. <laughs> okay. So, yes. Maybe that's where we met. Maybe that was. Yes. Okay. It, yep. Put a put a pin in that. Okay. We'll come back to that. <laughs> so um, I wanted COVID to come, and so he had to take a couple of days off school. So I went to his teacher, who was young, and, and said, um, "Can he go off school to to take? I want to take him to this award show." And she said, "Oh." That's so cool, because she was young, she thought that was really cool. Mm. She said, what do you do? So I started trying to explain to her, and Covey is holding my hand. He rolls his eyes, he goes, oh, basically, miss. My mum just gets paid to talk about sex all day long. <laughs> and I, I like looked at her, and she looked at me, and she went, are you a sex phone operator? Oh, amazing. <laughs> Amazing. I would have let her believe it for at least well, a few minutes. Well, I'm sure I'm still the talk of that primary school. But, but you know, for me, brilliant. If we could all be paid to talk about sex all day long, <laughs> yeah. that would be amazing. Because that's why we're all embarrassed about mm. it. Because it's seen as this taboo subject. And it's a cultural thing. It's a religious thing. Mm. It's a parent thing. It's an everything thing. And actually, we should all sit here and just talk about the great sex or the really bad sex or the mere sex or the fact I haven't had sex in so long conversations but we should all do that much more openly then mm. we can solve a lot of problems in the world do you think there's also a, a thing about certain charities are fashionable at certain times oh yes you couldn't move for i mean i had red ribbons all, always yeah there's, there's definitely a moment in time and i remember um the real world i think it was season two pedro, pedro zamora Zamoris. Yeah, Zamora, Zamora's. Zamora. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I should know really, but I had his picture in my cubicle at school. Thank you. I thought he was a lovely guy. I, was I remember devastated. really clearly when he died because I had. It wasn't long after I started work here. And wasn't he twenty three or something yeah. crazy? Uh, really young, mm. and it was it was amazing that MTV took him on. I, it could have even been season one. Season one was New York. Oh, she's so good. God, I love it. You can tell I didn't leave yeah, the Love it. Amazing. <laughs> so, but the fact that they said, yes, we will have an open, uh, someone who's HIV positive living in this house. Mm. Because remember, I mean, it still happens today, but particularly back then, there were so many myths about if I share a glass with him, if mm. I, you know, take a food off his plate, if I sit on the same toilet seat, yeah. would I catch it? And so that was amazing. And it was so devastating. Mm. And today, Pedro would not die. Yes. You know, he, mm. he would s still be alive and well, but not if Pedro was born in uh, wherever, Malawi. You know, that, that, that's the, the sort of the weird way the world works. How do you not get sucked into that vortex of that, that's, that is a fundamental injustice? I get really angry. I mean, that, that's the bit that really gets me. What really gets me is the politics of it all, mm. right? And because. HIV is incredibly political. So one of the reasons why it was originally trendy was because lots of um, famous people were HIV positive, mm -hmm. right? So that was a good thing. Oh, yay, brilliant. Someone famous has got it, then we can talk about it. Mm. But one of the reasons why it doesn't get a lot of money, has never really got that much money, is because it involves sex. Right. So the US government, who have funded us an enormous amount, but originally under George Bush, the way that they, f they were able to fund HIV was, let's fund treatment. We won't fund prevention, because if we fund prevention, we have to talk about dirty stuff, like sex and drugs. Right. And gay sex. Mm. You know, so we can't talk about that. Right. It, it got much better, particularly under Obama, um, you know, he went to Kenya and told the Kenyans off that it's still illegal to be gay in that country, right? Amazing. And now we have Trump. <laughs> and it is devastating for the female race, his policies. So his policies are devastating around um, pregnancy, safe abortion, um, HIV, just having babies safely he is going to destroy enormous amounts of that for years to come. And it gets me really angry. Because you said something that I found quite moving in, in the Facebook Live where you said, and I did write it down, but as you can see, I've sort of written in, a, you know, it looks like a real scribble. Um, the current political climate, the best thing to come out of it is the activism mm -hmm. that it bears, that it spurns. I can't remember exactly what you said. Something like that. <laughs> but, do you, but do you feel as of last November you're like right okay boots on sleeves up we've now this is this is the hardest phase of this almost I think um, 
the best thing about the political climate is that people are engaged mm. that you don't really you know if it's someone who's not necessarily of your political views but they're not so dramatic mm. that you, you just don't really care you can't be bothered mm. the thing that Trump is making us do is we're all going into really far corners away from each other and want to fight mm. what I hope is that it continues what yeah. I'm actually really worried about at the moment is that people will go do you know what it's not going to change so I'm just not going to do anything mm. and I really hope that people are encouraged against it there was a meeting a couple of weeks ago or last week um, with governments and foundations who are putting together a pot of money specifically around family planning because that is losing billions mm. of dollars because of Trump's global gag rule which was the so mm. uh, immediately after the women's march the very first executive order that he signed, the very first one, was to cut off funding for any family planning or global health organization that uses uses the word, doesn't even practice, just talks about abortion. So you might want to say to someone, uh, you know, one of your options here in South Africa is you, you can either carry the baby and have it adopted if you don't want your baby and you're, let's say, okay, you're 15 years old, years old in KwaZulu-Natal. If you're a pregnant girl in KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa, you have a one in two chance of being HIV positive, right? So those are crazy statistics. Mm. But let's say you're a 15 year old girl who did not choose to have sex in the first place and you end up pregnant and you go to a clinic. That clinic, if it wants funding from the US government, cannot tell you that one of your, one of your options is a legal, because it's legal in South Africa, a legal abortion. And if they say that, then the US government will no longer fund you. So, and, and that's the choice. And, you know, someone like Mary Stokes International have gone, well, fine. We have to continue to talk about abortion because we know that is necessary in, in cases. Mm -hmm. So they're no longer taking money from the US government. It's, you know, but when you think about the implications of that, mm. and what I said in the Facebook Live is, you've got, you know, in northern Nigeria, you've got Mary Stokes um, doing vaccinations of polio for babies, but they can't afford to do that anymore. So it's not just stopping abortion, which, by the way, you're not going to stop the sex in the first place. Mm. And this is... <laughs> I get very angry about it. Yeah. Um, and, but I haven't figured out the solution but yet. But somebody needs to be getting angry about this. Yes, and and well, not just somebody. Everybody needs everybody. to be getting angry about it, and girls and boys. But somebody being somebody has to lead the charge. Yes. Because what I got from the Facebook Live, or even the interaction, I think even before the we started filming, was you are the galvanizing element in this. And Laura said it, Leona said it, Mala said it, Mala, Mala or Mala, I Mala, Mala, yeah. um, said said that you know you can see that they look they look to you you're kind of the guiding force that's kind of a responsibility as well that's quite scary isn't it <laughs> yeah I don't know what to say to that I, I, I don't see myself in that way mm. I, I actually see myself looking to Mala who and what she has done in her life which was get turned down by a whole bunch of people because she was too young that, and too untrustworthy to fund mm. and then we went no you're not young and you're oh you are young yes but actually that's what we love about you and you are really trustworthy um why wouldn't we fund you because you're bang in the center of it and you understand what the problem is that was another thing she said about um uh, about how the uh, mtv foundation um funds these the young people and i guess that's what mtv has always done it's given a voice and it's given a vehicle to perhaps people who on paper shouldn't be ready to be given a responsibility yeah. that's clearly something that is continuing to happen and if we can't trust them then no one's going to trust them mm. so it's it's being able to use the MTV brand mm. to support young people that's an amazing privilege to have to be able to use the brand in that way do you feel like young people are being overlooked at times their potential is perhaps being overlooked or let's let you cook a bit longer and when you're 18 you can do something I, I do you know what I wonder if it's changing a bit now I think yeah most people find it hard to give young people money right so we what we know with our grantees is so someone like Mala she'll tell you she got turned down again and again and again because they said you're too young we don't trust you then we funded them and then they got money because right. they went, oh, well, if MTV trusts you right. and MTV's trained you, that's okay. So 
that's something I think what social media has done though today with kids is give them that platform where they don't need to wait for an adult to tell them whether or not they're doing the right or wrong thing. Mm. Some of them, by the way, will definitely make mistakes on social media, mm. but a lot of them are using it to find their passion and to be able to use that as their platform. And they and it's sort of adults like me do go on it, but we don't use it in the same way that they do. Like a Snapchat, forget it. Like it's the one thing that my son, on the very rare occasion I've snapped him, he goes, Mom, just like, please stop it. It's embarrassing. Right? So they have their own private space there, which I think is really good. Mm. And did you also provide mentors? We do, yes. And we try and make them local if we can, mm. so that they have adult mentors where they can say, you know, we've got a meeting with the mayor how do we talk to the mayor mm. you know in in their local community or can you give advice on how to apply for this amount of money or, or, or how we'd create a business plan because mm. everyone needs you know what henry taught us everyone needs guidance mm. and that's why we do that um i loved the story that you told in the facebook live where you talked about going into the bathroom going going <laughs> for a job interview and they said when can you start and you said well well now i'll just pop to the ladies and doing the munch scream in the mirror um, I'm, I'm fascinated by that because sometimes we have to fake it till we make it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and Laura said something at the end of the Facebook Live where she said, you know, none of us have a clue. We're all kind of winging it. Yeah. Um, there's, there's real sort of power in sort of not knowing, knowing that you don't know what to do, but trying your best anyway. Well, it's also really exciting. <laughs> I mean, nothing gives you that adrenaline rush, like being shit scared, <laughs> you know, but thinking... Oh, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Sorry, I just swore twice. That's fine. I apologise. There's just a little button on iTunes, I click explicit, oh, we're cool. good to go. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and, and I do, I mean, I love what Leona said about, you know, I like to be scared every day. Yeah, that's right? amazing. And we all are, because if you're not scared, then life's really boring. Mm. If you're dialing it in, if you turn up at 9.30 and leave at 5.30, and there's nothing surprising in your day, or nothing that freaks you out, mm. it's dull. You know, I, I like a little bit of gentleness, but not too much. Yeah. yeah. Do you mentor? I would imagine that you have quite a few people who check in with you. I do, actually. <laughs> I love it. I really like it. At the moment, I've, I have a few on the go, because once I start to mentor them, they don't... You can't stop. Well, yeah, they, they go, well, I know our year's up, but can, can I carry on? Because we've got a really good mentorship program mm -hmm. here. Because I do, by the way, have two jobs. So okay. I also... Oh. Yeah, uh, so I, I run the foundation, but I also work for Viacom, which includes MTV, Nickelodeon, Comedy Central, BET, and I run all their social responsibility. So Viacom pay my salary to do both jobs. What does social responsibility mean? So when I joined MTV, the words corporate social responsibility, CSR, had not been inv invented. And so I started this all up, but not knowing what it was about. Mm. So it's social responsibility for me is about being able to highlight social issues um, that are relevant to our audience mm -hmm. um, and so that's what it means so for Nickelodeon it could be around um, getting more exercise or cyberbullying. Mm -hmm. um, on MTV we have a really big campaign called MTV Breaks which is about getting young people a career break um, and and how do we um, give them opportunity as well? Because it's much harder. Laura talked about she did an open audition nine yes. years ago. You've talked about your interview. I know when I started, it was you. You could work your way in via making tea. It's not like that now. The landscape's very different. So MTV breaks, which we'll put a link to in the show notes, is helping people get the foot in the door. Is yes. that right? So, and we do it in a few ways. But with um, what we did recently with MTV Sugar we had a break to be a director and a photographer and the director one was I loved it it was amazing so this uh, South African guy won and he spent three days with the director of the show shadowing him he spent a day with a creative director and then on the Friday he was directing and some of those scenes that were seeing sugar this kid will have directed and then we film his experience so that goes up on air and and, and he actually gets something for his showreel that he can say, I did this. Mm. And he had to have shown some talent in order to get that break. Yeah. And around the EMAs we'll do, you can become a costume designer or a makeup artist or a photographer or a social media blogger. And we give them all these amazing experiences. So those are the things. So I do love mentoring. Mm. I think, I actually think at 
it should be more encouraged that everybody at whatever even you know kids who walk in as interns should be encouraged then to mentor others mm. there's a guy that i mentor who started off i was doing a talk uh, like a careers talk at a school and he came up to me and he's this huge guy he's actually trained to be an amateur boxer at the moment he's a big guy and he shakes my hand which is like you know this bear hug <laughs> and he's and i call him big sam he's just called Sam but you know he's big Sam and um, so from that he came in and did two weeks work experience in my team because he just had something about him mm. that I knew was really special he then applied for the apprenticeship program here he got it um, and so he spent a year here as an apprentice he then became an intern and did that for a year and he now has a full-time job in consumer products and he's being promoted and I mentor him but now what I'm telling him is he should go back and mentor the apprentices because mm. we should all like all of us do something that we can share with others and I think that's really important to be able Paying to do it that. forward yeah can you see the matrix can you just see something in people I call it seeing yeah, the matrix can I see the matrix <laughs> <laughs> I just think that certain people can just see a spark. I remember a friend of mine did some work with Gordon Ramsay and she said he can just see it in people. He, there's a certain quality that he can just identify on site in people and he can hone it. Do you? Or, but is it the other way around? Do certain people have that spark that's really easy to spot? Like if you met Sam, if you met Big Sam, you'd go, that guy's amazing. Mm. And there is just something about him. If you met Henry you know there's something amazing about him. Mm. So it's not that I spotted it, it's that they have it, I would right. say. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I do kind of like the idea of you seeing the Matrix as well. Yeah, me too. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can see the Matrix. <laughs> so um, we've talked about all of that, but I do, I do want to bring us back to Cardio Pilates because oh, yes. I can't reference at the beginning and not us talk about it. So you've, you've got this incredible career, there's two incredible responsibilities one must find a way to chill out and you do that with cardio pilates i do and my son by the way that, that's the other part of my life but um i really feel that i have to exercise just for my brain mm -hmm. right it's and what's interesting is the last two weeks have been crazy and i've been traveling and really burning the candle badly mm -hmm. at both ends and i haven't exercised much and on saturday i woke up and i felt so ill mm. and not that I was coming down for it I just felt awful and on Saturday I had my cardio pilates I f and then on Sunday I just did normal pilates mm. I feel so much better mm. and I'm really like a passionate advocate for it so I have to oh, very boring I have to exercise I have um, a hip replacement and various knee and hip rebuilds so I exercise to keep my body moving mm -hmm. so I love pilates I can do a three minute plank what yes Yep. Challenge listeners, can anyone else tweet us? <laughs> <laughs> but I started doing cardio pilates, which is like the next step on, where it's a bit like, um, oh, what's it called when you. Circuit training. Thank you. Circuit training. So you'll do um, something on the pilates bed. So you might do like a jackknife, I don't know if you know any of this stuff, but you might do like a jackknife or a plank on the mm -hmm. bed. And then you might have to do some boxing for a minute and then you have to go back and do that. And then you have to do oh, such good stuff. Like you mm -hmm. might do like a walking plank. Um, and it, like the trainer just pushes you and pushes you. And I come away on a total high. Mm. I've not really exercised my whole life, but in the last few years now I'm so boringly obsessed <laughs> my friends like I did okay this was my big this is no in fact I can't even say this just too so really it doesn't matter but anyway I love it and it's just it's good for your mental health so I've encouraged my son who's like very sporty mm. but he's doing his A-level so he's given up football and he's um he's finished rugby now so he has started to run and that's really important because mm. it's good, like what he doesn't get is it's good for his brain as well. So I, he did, um, he ran the Paris Half Marathon last weekend. Oh, wow. For staying alive. That's amazing. So is he, that something that listeners could do as well? Oh, yes, it would be amazing. Because uh, like to do a challenge event and raise money for us is brilliant. It gets mm. you engaged, you understand a bit more about what we do, and then we make money to give back out to the grantees again. Well, if anyone wants to run to raise money, perhaps we'll put the, the link to that in the show notes. That would be lovely. That would be fab. Um, I feel like our time is drawing near. I can hear, I can see nodding heads and I can hear doors going. It's been such a pleasure to speak to you. Oh, it's been such fun. Um, any final words that you would like to share with listeners about either the foundation 
or anything else that might be coming up that they can get involved in? Uh, well, okay, so for the foundation, yes, we would love your support, right? So um, go on to mtvstayingalive.org. Um, there's lots of information there about what we do. Um, and if you want to do challenge events, bake sales, anything, you know, any way you can support us is great. So that's number one. Number two, you might want to go to mtvsugar.com, which is S-H-U-G-A. Mm -hmm. I find that so hard to spell and at the same time. <laughs> but it's a brilliant drama. It's a bit like Skins, but set in South Africa with sexual health messaging. We've okay. it. It's really brilliant. And it'll Is that the kind of thing that you think any parents listening should show their children of an appropriate age? Yes, and I'll tell you why. It's really hard to talk about sex for all of us. If you sit and watch it, you can have conversations and go, have you done that? What did you think about what they did? What does, do you think they should have made that decision? It's mm. brilliant for a parent to watch who gets doesn't know the right questions to talk about their kid. And then the third thing to all of your listeners is talk about sex more. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's funny. We all do it, if we're lucky, or not, or if we're choosing not to. It's fantastic, and we should all talk about it more. On that note, I just want to ask, because I watched the Amy Schumer special, which she talks a lot about sex. Is that the right kind of dialogue? I know, because you know when it's the, sort of the Ladette culture and the sort of being quite um, explicit, is that the right kind of dialogue? Is that what you mean? But no, I think, not. I mean, yes and no. Yes, if that's what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's about... Gen just be being in your space about being comfortable mm -hmm. speaking about it but the fact that we're all uncomfortable about it yeah. is is wrong and it's such a like aliens I think would land on this planet and go but this is how you exist so why don't you talk about it it's the weirdest thing yeah and it doesn't have to be explicit just talk about it mm. yes and salt and pepper said it best right yes they did bring it back to MTV realness thank you thank you so much for your thank time thank you it was a pleasure Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of The Emma Gunn Show featuring Leona Lewis and Georgia Arnold. If you're listening on iTunes, why don't you subscribe? And if you're feeling even fruitier, why not leave me a five-star rating and review? You can also download and stream from my website, website, emmaguns.com. And you can follow me on social media at Emma Guns on Twitter and at Emma Guns on Instagram, which is where I tend to post uh, updates of upcoming shows and also in the moment snaps with people as I'm interviewing them. So if you want a sneak peek of who's coming up, then that's definitely the pli the place. Oh dear, maybe links aren't my strong suit this evening. Anyway, it's the place to follow it. So I hope you enjoyed that. Thank you for listening. Please do subscribe, follow, rate, review, all of those things. And uh, there's an excellent show coming up uh, in episode 51. So I will catch you then. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.